The Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Don't miss out on the best week to bet sports of the year. Log on to MyBookie right now and enter promo code SGP50 and get 50% deposit bonus today. That's promo code SGP50. Play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from a supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Oddshark, and check them out on oddshark.com. Lastly, we are brought to you by Profit. If you're tired of having no true hedging option or losing that parlay on one leg, so are we, which is why we signed up for the Get early access to Profit at betprofit.co. Profit allows you to sell whatever percentage of your bet you want to in seconds, guaranteeing profit while also keeping some skin in the game on your original bet. Profit is modeled after financial trading platforms, which allows users to see trends, stats, news, and media relating to their bets, all on a more modern, user-friendly platform. It's a one-stop shop for users. And again, sign up today for early access at betprofit.co. Welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. Today is November 30th. Hope your driving commute or whether you're listening to this at work is getting you ready for a nice and hopefully profitable weekend on the betting front. For this episode of Inside Vegas, we are bringing back another recurring guest. So nice. We had him on twice. Harby at on Twitter at once Harby. You guys enjoyed so much of his DFS content, player prop pools, all that type of stuff. Uh, so we had him on again for NFL week 13, digging into a recap of everything that happened on Thanksgiving slate, as well as the week that was for NFL week 12, diving into some of the injury stuff with Jeff Driscoll in four, Andy Dalton, um, some other injuries out there and kind of things to look out for specifically, um, players to target in your DFS lineups, prop stuff, all everything and everything against the spread picks. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this again. And I know you will cause you, you liked him so much the first time. So again, this is Harvey, who is a DFS lineup provider for Roto radar, as well as doing a ton of other great quality content, find him all of his content on Twitter at once Harvey. And now joining me on the inside Vegas podcast back again, round two, uh, friends of the podcasts. We are, I don't know if we've, we've reached our max limit, but, uh, Harvey, so glad to have you back, man. The, the, the response was very good. So we decided to have you back on, um, what's going on in your, how was your holiday and everything with you out there man good thank you yeah i appreciate it uh it sounds like you had a pretty fun holiday as well and uh you know a lot of guys at some of the other podcasts that you do i loved hearing the recaps um it's such a fun week like it's a little bit stressful and i'm sure you you feel this too where there's like multiple important days especially when you have people like relying on your content and stuff uh but then the slates are so much fun like i love just watching uh, the Thanksgiving football games. And there were some really good games. I mean, we're learning a lot about these teams. That's for sure. Uh, so it's, it's fun time. It's also been a tough time. It's been a really weird past month uh, where teams seem to be changing things up a little bit. And there's like just some just misses everywhere. I know we were talking about this offline, but um, just so many players that could help me, uh, could probably help you, could help some teams uh, out there uh, just missing. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how this, this season closes out. Yeah, man. Like we said, we were talking about. Well, I guess we'll just elaborate on this now. It's, it. Last week was really frustrating. Really, it's been the last two weeks um, for me in terms of props. Like, uh, in some ways, like the, the the thought process is later in the year things get inflated. Um, so it's it's actually a time to kind of go go under um, on certain types of props. But it's it's not even that they're set so high. I mean, like you're talking about, you know, Beckham at 99 and a half finishing with, you know, 93 or Michael Thomas two weeks ago. It's just, it's stuff that's coming up just short that, you know, it, it's everything is so close on the line that um, you can kind of break into, you know, your DFS story from last week in, in terms of what, what you mean by, um, by that and, and kind of elaborate on that actually. Yeah, absolutely. So Beckham, like that's a, that's a fantastic person to bring up right there. I mean, starts off first quarter, 67 yards or something like that. I think on, you know, first three receptions catches them all, uh, has 80% of his prop right there. You know, as far as value goes on a site like DK, um, he's already halfway there looking really solid for the bonus. Um, and then nothing. I mean, he didn't get targeted again until the second half after that first quarter. 
and then he also uh, only received like two targets in the second half. Uh, came out after the game, obviously pretty frustrated. Uh, you know, made some sleight of hand uh, comments to to the coach too. But uh, we were recapping my lineup a little bit. My primary lineup, my my one that I used in cash uh, on DK, I was like just. 0.5, uh, so half a point away from a bunch of big scores, a bunch of the big 50-50s and stuff. Uh, and I had four players that were 14 yards or less from that three-point bonus uh, that were all middling to to lower own. So it definitely would have pushed me over uh, the limit. But that's it just seems to, like you said, these past two weeks, but really for me, the past three weeks have just been that, like right on the line yep. where you you just need the one player to get 10 more yards, one more reception, 10 more yards, something like that. And just, um, it doesn't come through. And I mean, couldn't be more frustrated by, by how they used Odell, um, in the, in the last three quarters of that game, because they easily should have just walked away with that game. Um, I, I seventh idea. string cornerback. It makes no sense. And again, not to just sit here and harp on our losses. We're going to break down the whole week as a, but it just, it really highlights kind of what a weird week it was when, when you talk about player projections and stuff. I mean, there was nobody on a, you know, nobody had a greater matchup, um, than George Kittle. I mean, the guy has been lighting up 100-yard performances week after week from a tight end position in a tight end landscape. That has been absolutely terrible. Uh, enter Nick Mullins in, against this Tampa Bay defense. Tampa Bay, second worst in the league uh, defending the tight end position and somehow walks away with six for 48 despite, I believe, he had like 10, 11, 12 targets, something like that. Um, yep. Just absolutely insane. And it's just, it, it's one of those things where I think it's it's important to highlight because one, not to just uh, sit here and bitch and complain about our losses, but to the point where the thought process can be right. And if you're on that thought process more times than not, um, you're going to come out on the winning side. It's just sometimes these things, you know, tend to happen when you look at a performance, you know, sometimes there's something to it. Um, as I was texting with you kind of uh, after the Zach Ertz dud game, and I really dig, dug into that and just, you know, wanted to look at why that was. Um, and you know, there's some stuff that's next level. You can really, you know, come out and find out with that and it can help you going forward. Right. So as I told you, saints haven't allowed more than 40 yards, uh, to a tight end all season. Um, so, you know, using that loss to look to the next week and go under on an Austin Hooper prop set at 43, knowing that, um, and you can kind of use that for the rest of the season. So sometimes there's, there's next level stuff in that. Um, but when you look at Tampa Bay again, just using that specific example, um, it, sometimes those things just happen, you know, but sometimes, you know, sometimes there's, there's next level thing to, to use that to your advantage. And sometimes it was the right play no matter the outcome, which I think is hard for some people to kind of understand sometimes, you know? Yeah, I agree. That was the right play. It was totally the right play that, you know, that was no, no game script, nothing wrong happening there. It was just, uh, they weren't connecting on the day. Uh, I mean, I would totally go back to Kittle time and time again, if you give me that matchup. For sure, man. So let's let's recap the the Thanksgiving week that was as a whole. Um, we don't have to any go over anything that um not specifically. Um, but I think there's some stuff in here that can kind of um we can use going forward at that next level thinking. Um, Chicago, Detroit. Uh, the only thing I would say here is you have to continuously attack the slot receiver going up against Detroit. I mean, when we look at this, we're all over this one. Anthony Miller's prop was at 37, uh, three for 41. Went over it in the first half. Was really an absolute no sweat. I don't even think he got anything in the second half. Um, Washington and Dallas. Look, every single favorite. Um, one and covered, I believe, uh, on the Thursday slate. So it was a lot of chalk. Uh, Dallas gets their first uh, ETS cover on Thanksgiving under the Jason Garrett regime. Uh, and the Saints do what the Saints do, although that, that game going under was a little bit, um, you know, it, it seemed almost chalky as if you could see it coming as, as people overreacted to the Kansas City game, myself being on that over. Uh, it just it felt like maybe these all can't be that easy when talking about an over. But anything stick out to you uh, in terms of the Thanksgiving Day slate? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, the big thing is Detroit's defense is just, putrid right now um and with snacks harris in there he he really is uh kind of helping shore up their run decent but it's allowed teams to uh really bump up the pass game like pretty significantly over two and a half yards per attempt uh so i think just what you're saying you know you attack the slot it's like a fantastic spot uh it, it's a spot you should definitely consider this week especially with the uh health of Gurley, maybe a little bit lower uh than what you'd want from like a uh, bell cow. So you, you think that you'd have to think they'll be passing a little bit more, uh, should give uh, Woods some good opportunity in this matchup. For sure. Um, I'm just going to kind of group these games together on Sunday to go over them. And you can just tell me if there's anything that sticks out to you. Oakland losing 17, 34 to Baltimore, Buffalo. Uh, I can't quit the Jags. I, I've tried to stay away and I just can't, um, at the end of the day, Josh Allen rushing for hundred yards, 24, 21 in Seattle, Carolina. To me, the takeaway out of that group is Seattle's just 
inability to stop a rushing attack with Christian McCaffrey. Um, I mean, God, over 200 yards, all-purpose yards, a uh, couple of touchdowns, just absolutely insane uh, day for McCaffrey. To me, it's more of an indictment on that Seattle uh, team not being able to stop the run and, and walks me at Matt Breed off another 100-yard performance this week. So that's to me, is kind of the big takeaway there in terms of those three games. Yeah, I agree. Um, we saw there for a few games that Seattle just kind of looked like they were coming back to life and, and they're not. Uh, one thing that I'll just take away, too, is uh, Carolina really has to improve kind of their red zone ability. They should have easily won this game, um, but they're just not converting touchdowns well enough. Uh, so I think we see that regress back pretty heavily this week against Tampa Bay. I know it's second time against a conference opponent, uh, but Tampa Bay's defense just has looked pretty putrid. So I think it's a, it's a good spot to attack. Definitely, man. Uh, Cleveland Browns was definitely the sharp side here. Outline, you know, basically from plus three all the way down to a pick, taking care of business. Obviously, the storyline from there, Andy Dalton out. Jeff Driscoll and company in New England taking care of business as a heavy favorite, 27-13, and Philadelphia winning 25-22. Um, I mean, I guess the Drisc- Driscoll thing is kind of the most important out of this group of games. Everything else was kind of business as usual besides Philadelphia. Um, they did make that comeback, which I think deserves a little bit of time. But, um, I mean... Cincinnati as a team moving forward, anything of note that's different, you know, with Driscoll, you know, looks like AJ Green may uh, play this week. Uh, to me, look, Cincinnati ripe for the picking when it comes to uh, running backs against, again, Nick Chubb, 84 yards, also 44 through the air. Uh, so, again, another position, you know, to take that long-term view on an attack. And what did you think of Jeff Driscoll and his comeback attempt of 17-29 for 155 and a touchdown? I thought he looked fine. Uh, he's definitely an athlete. Like he's willing to move out of the pocket. He's willing to kind of tuck and run. Um, and maybe they need a little bit of life like that. I think it's surprising that AJ green wants to come back so heavily, uh, but maybe, you know, it's, he's trying to show that they can do this. Uh, Oh, they can do this. Like they can win these games. I don't know. Maybe he just wants to get on the field to show his talent to regardless of who the quarterback is. Uh, I think if this is going to severely hurt the Bengals though, uh, even though they've been down for a few weeks now, um, I think that they're not going to be able to sustain drives. I don't see much value for Tyler Boyd for the remainder of the season. Uh, I guess we'll see after this week, uh, but from the Brown side, I mean, we saw if they can get the running game going, they're going to be able to compete in games. Uh, so, you know early that they're that teams are going to have to sell out to stop the run but with two pretty dynamic running backs right now uh, i'm not sure they're going to be able to so i i like this team going forward i think they'll win a few more games yeah man a little bit of a, a poor man's jacksonville from last year and that if they can run the ball a ton kind of protect their rookie quarterback uh and, and play good defense uh they're going to be in some games for sure tampa bay we touched on 27 9 over san francisco i mean the fact that tampa bay's defense only allowed nine points I, I really don't know what to say about that one arizona losing 45 to 10 i mean the chargers continue to beat down on bad teams indianapolis 27 24 um and then i guess the last two i can even throw denver in there um in two upsets denver 24 pittsburgh 17 green bay losing seven uh 24 17 as well to Minnesota. Um, do you buy the hype and Aaron Rodgers saying all they have to do is run the table a little easier said than done, although they do walk in as 14-point favorites this week? Yeah, gosh, I, this should be an easy win for them, uh, and this will be a table setter. The problem is their defense just looks pretty poor, uh, so I'm not sure that I believe it. One thing that I do believe in is a philosophy change. I'm not sure if McCarthy is smart enough to continue to do this, but uh, the philosophy should definitely be to get Jones going. So Aaron Jones is a legitimate talent. Um, I think he can change their play calling. We may see it more like uh, how uh, the Bengals were using mix in there for a while uh, that, you know, really changes uh, the amount of throws where maybe they go to more like a 55, 45, where it, they had been doing, you know, like a 65, 35 before. Uh, so I think that will take some pressure off of Rogers. I think it allows them to slow it down some and hopefully uh, make their defense not be on the field so often just from an efficiency standpoint. So, you know, it'd be a beautiful thing if they were able to, but I don't see them being a playoff team this year. Yeah, for sure. And we look at this, look, Pittsburgh losing on the road should not surprise anyone. 28 and a half points per game at home, 22 and a half uh, on the road is more of the same from Pittsburgh and Carolina. Um, one of the reasons I really, really like them this week, Carolina's become the NFC version of the Pittsburgh Steelers that broke their, I believe, six game uh, home winning streak and, and Seattle doing the same conversely winning on the road, which has been very hard for them. So that game, uh, kicking myself for not really taking first half, knowing that you have to get front runner cam, you have to get happy cam dancing. Um, he cannot claw back from adversity and 
despite what I f- feel was, you know, maybe the quote unquote right side at the end of the day, uh, the, the quote unquote right side doesn't cash tickets. The winning side does. So that one was, <laughs> yeah. was a little bit crazy as well. Um, anything you want to, uh, take uh, last thing, takeaways from the week that was anything that really stuck out to you, um, as a whole, or you want to move on to the next week upcoming? Yeah, I think one thing that is just really interesting and that you should always be looking at, even from a DFS perspective, is play calling. I mean, right now we're seeing this in the NFL so much that the teams that have good offensive coordinators or good offensive minds um, at head coach are really kind of running the table. Uh, so they're they're being able to make moves. They're being able to adjust the different defenses. So you want to make sure that you're targeting these teams with great offensive play callers. Um, and, and then, you know, going back to your what you're calling about the Steelers, these teams are, are going to turn around. There's a lot of these kind of uh, comeback spots this week that I think you'll uh, will want to focus on in both DFS and, and kind of the prop market as well. Let's get into it, man. Let's start the buy low, sell high. Baltimore heads to Atlanta as Atlanta is a one and a half point favorite. Total sitting at 48 here. Look, the running back traditionally against Atlanta has been a very good bet, both in the prop market and in the DFS world. Gus Edwards has stepped in with back-to-back 100-yard performances, has shown up on the injury report uh, with a late ankle, basically, uh, yesterday on Wednesday. Uh, had some limited practices, some did not practice type of stuff here. A lot of sharp professional guys I know on this Atlanta side, just banking on the fact that it's Lamar Jackson's first true road test, toughest uh, step up in competition. Uh, uh, yet, at the end of the day, when you run the ball against this Atlanta team, uh, this this really could look like a stat line of Josh Allen throwing the ball eight times while him and Edwards run the ball, you know, 30 or 40 times uh, and keeping this Atlanta offense on the field. And on the other side, Baltimore, you know, top five in the league against the pass. Uh, this, uh, I can't trust this Atlanta team, uh, but this ball is going to be a first... You know, I think the name value of Atlanta may carry more weight than people making this out to be the toughest test of Lamar Jackson's uh, career in the fact that this Atlanta defense is probably right on par with how bad the Oakland um, defense is in Cincinnati that he has played so far. Yeah, I agree. So uh, a big part of this game, because it's like an early target for me as well, and I think it's going to matter a lot to the DFS landscape uh, this week, but is is Deion Jones going to play for the Falcons? Because if he does, uh, I think that changes their run defense a lot. I think it's going to tighten up the middle of the field and maybe this does uh, kind of move the needle to where Lamar is going to fail a little bit and then just like you said too it's it's a little concerning that both Gus Edwards and Alex Collins showed up on the injury report again not practicing for a couple days or not full participants in practice for a couple days uh, because if they don't have both of them or at least one of them as we saw this past week with Gus their offense is going to struggle pretty heavily. I don't trust Ty Montgomery or Kenneth Dixon to be able to carry the load, uh, Javorius Allen, any of those guys. Uh, but if they do, if they do have like the tandem of running backs, Gus or, or Alex is completely healthy, uh, then I think this will be a really interesting game. End of the day, though, I think Atlanta's uh, offense is going to be strong enough to to claw this one out at home, uh, despite how good Baltimore's defense has been this year. How many rushing yards does Lamar Jackson finish with at the end of this game? Well, I, I think that is going to fully depend on, uh, well, two things. Gus Edwards first. Because if Gus isn't in, you have to bump up his attempts like at least eight more. Um, and then is Deion Jones in. But like, let's say all things even right, right now, because uh, let's consider both of those players in. They're both questionable right now. But um, I, I mean, you have to think 80 yards against this team. Yeah, I mean his props. Because Atlanta's uh, Atlanta's bad. Yeah, his props on increased from forty five out to seventy nine. So a little bit more adjustment, obviously coming in under the prop last week. Uh, Denver heads to the road against Cincinnati, and the Jeff Driscoll led Bengals is five point road favorites. Total sitting at forty five here. Can you play anyone on uh, Cincinnati? Is there on the other side? Is uh, Case Keenum to me is probably one of the best streaming options out there, uh, potentially in cash. On the other side, maybe the best matchup of the week has to be Philip Lindsay. Um, I mean. <laughs> There's a couple other ones out here, um, matchups that we'll talk about, particularly on the Green Bay side to target. Uh, but Philip Lindsay may be the best uh, rated, you know, in terms of running back DFS prop type of stuff for this game. Absolutely, yeah. Philip Lindsay, he has a, a great price. He has a fantastic matchup. The one thing that I will say I was interested in rewatching the game from last week is the Bengals defense really knew that they had to get to Chubb early, and they did. 
so they were stopping him early. He really wasn't getting that many rushing yards. He had the early receiving touchdown. Uh, but as far as rushing goes, they were stopping him pretty well. I think that they're going to try to do this with Lindsey. Uh, but as we see with this team, when you just can't produce on offense and your defense is out on the field so often, they just get frustrated and worn out. I think this team's done. There's no way I'm touching anyone on the Bengals side. Probably not even in GPP. I guess if you want to get really crazy, feel free to. Uh, but on the Broncos side, yeah, Philip Lindsay, Case Keenum, um, and, and I think that this is the Sutton week that yes. everyone's been looking for. Yeah, I really do. Like Sutton has been uh, plugged into almost all my early lineups, so uh, that there's a little insight for anyone uh, building right now. I love it, man. Rams head to the road after the bye week after after the historic performance, putting up over 100 points of offense. Rams 10 point road favorites, a lot of road favorites on this on this upcoming card here. Detroit total sitting at 55. Uh, to me, this is a dead nuts over game. Um, and again, this is what we talked about targeting with Anthony Miller. I think you're going to get a similar prop and a similar price point um, on Josh Reynolds taking over that Cooper Cup role. Uh, and you know, Anthony Miller and Gabriel really kind of shared the slot duties here. Um, and so to me, you're getting a known commodity who's going to pretty much stick in the slot because Woods and Cooks should be outside here. Josh Reynolds is probably one of my favorite targets this week in the prop market as well. Um, and I, again, I, I fast track, I realize it's on the road. This is a get right game for the Rams. I don't think Detroit wants anything to do with the Rams right now. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, I feel like Detroit's one of those teams that is just kind of like middling. They'd love to be good, but they're just not. Like, they're not good right now. Their offense isn't powerful enough to support that terrible defense either. Uh, but the Rams are, are pretty terrible defense too. So uh, dating, I don't think that they've covered this year. I could be wrong about that, but I don't, I don't think that they've covered a game this year uh, just because their defense gives up so much. Um, so despite how powerful their offense is, is uh yeah their defense is still just giving up a lot of points i think that bodes well for the lions uh love kenny galladay in this one bruce ellington isn't practicing right now but love him too riddick should see a, a ton of dump off passes but i'd really like to see carry on johnson back as i think it improves this offense pretty significantly uh on the ram side of the ball we we just need to continue to look at Gurley's uh ankle and his practice you know i this is a this is a fine matchup like this is uh, early in the season. This was a prime matchup that you would have to make sure you shoved in Gurley in your DFS lineups. But uh, right now with Snacks Harrison there, um, just kind of helping out the offense uh, quite a bit or sorry, the defense rushing defense quite a bit. I don't think that you have to make sure that you get him in. Um, oh, but but I do think that you have to make sure you get pieces of this game, because just like you said, this isn't over like this is an over game for sure. For sure, and Rams 5-5-1 five, five, and one on the year, uh, depending on where you got the Chiefs number when it comes to covering. So about 50%, and in a world where spreads mattering less and less, that is not a good ATS team, kind of indicative of, like you said, the market kind of over overinflating how how good their offense is and, and not accounting for how bad their offense now, or how bad their defense is. Um, Gurley, I want to talk about the ankle, because as somebody who felt pretty stupid being on the only prop bet that didn't come in on Gurley over 99 rush yards against that KC team, um, obviously the ankle was a concern, wasn't right. A lot of Malcolm Brown uh, with Gurley, worth spending up worth going over in the prop market here or are you concerned about the I'm gonna at stay, all? yeah i'm gonna stay away i think uh i so my kind of read on this game is the rams are going to be able to pass a lot early uh probably take a an early lead and take it really easy on him i think we see a lot of uh brown malcolm brown uh in the second half too they should while i do think that they probably get backdoored or at least the lions score quite a few points um i i think that the rams are not going to ever be worried about this game yeah. uh, especially come the second half oh uh, so i i think that um, they won't have to rely as much on Gurley. They'll let him rest that. They know that more important games are coming. Yeah, first half, definitely probably the preferred look when it comes to the Rams um, from an ATS yes. perspective. Arizona yep. heads to Green Bay, 14-point home favorites. Is Green Bay tossing at 44 here? You, you know how I love my my quote-unquote tragedy angles. You know how I love my birthdays. You know what, what Sunday is for two prominent players on Green Bay? 
Oh, I do not. Tell me. This and somebody who probably has the best matchup on the board, Aaron Jones' birthday, also on Sunday, sharing one with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, can you no see the stats way. now? Of uh, You can see the graphics after Aaron Jones scores two touchdowns and catches one from Rodgers. You can see it now. Probably one yep. of my play, favorite cash game plays uh, in when the props are released for Aaron Jones. Anyone can run on Arizona, literally anyone. And Aaron Jones really come into his own this year um, on his birthday. I think that the narrative is absolutely there for him to have a, a great day. Yeah, uh, so unfortunately, I'm going to have to tell people to wait until Sunday afternoon to listen to this podcast now because um, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I was already worried that uh, Aaron Jones' ownership was going to be really high, but now it should be like a million percent uh, (laughs) because absolutely, yeah, I love these narratives too. He has a phenomenal matchup. Like I mentioned earlier, I already think the Packers are starting to change their play calling philosophy to lean heavier on him. Um, And now you throw in a narrative like this, in a game that they're going to just or should just stomp. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's a phenomenal take. He's definitely going to be hitting that over. Another noted professional side, Cleveland, uh, plus six road favorites at going up against Houston in their eight-game win streak. Look, tragedy angles, there's no more profitable one in sports. Houston off a, a dead owner uh, angle is, uh, look, this angle is now undefeated in the NFL ATS uh, over the last four times that this has happened. Um, I tweeted this out, but basically it doesn't matter. Um, underdog, slight favorite. When this angle happens, um, it is Seattle uh, was also this year. Um, it happened with the Giants, and it happened when Al Davis died as well that next game whether it be home and away is such an emotional um you know kind of uplifting here and despite what i think of tennessee there was just no way that houston was losing that game coming off of that angle but what i do want to touch on is a little bit of a disappointing performance from deandre hopkins having i believe 68 yards at halftime getting that that noted malcolm butler uh one-on-one coverage and you know despite game script i think lamar miller's 97 run may have had something to do with this but a little bit you know is butler respectable corner again um really disappointing to see what hopkins did not do against this tennessee team um but again uh any faith in Cleveland and the new new look Cleveland Browns with Baker Mayfield without Hugh Jackson there to um, at least cover or get in any uh, players from here uh, going up against this Houston team? Yeah, I, I have faith in them in general, but I don't uh, like this matchup at all. And really, I don't like this matchup at all from either side, uh, partly because I don't love Lamar Miller. He's not a player that really gets involved in the passing game a whole lot. Uh, so that takes down his potential production. He has a great matchup here, a home uh, favorite by, by uh, you know, quite a bit right now. Browns are not a great run defense despite playing a little bit better recently. Uh, but I, it's not a place that I'm really going towards uh, yet. And on the Brown side of the ball, I just don't love going against a pretty good Texans defense has a great pass rush too. Um, so they're going to put some pressure, uh, on Baker Mayfield. And that's when you can definitely see, um, Oh, some, some issues, just some scrambling where he may not be able to let the plays develop as much. Um, so they're ranked fifth by, by pro football focus and pass rush. And I think that's going to get to the Browns. some. Uh, so this is kind of a stay away game for me right now. Uh, it is a very important game for the Texans too. Uh, but I, I think that both teams offenses could struggle a little bit here. Absolutely, man. When we look at this, you know, at the end of the day, who would have thought Houston would be able to wrap off uh, eight straight wins after starting the year 0-3 and everyone had kind of ridden them off for dead? They're being chased by probably the hottest team in the National Football League right now with the Indianapolis Colts coming in, sitting at 6-5 and in Jacksonville, what looks to be a lost season. Uh, Blake Bortles out, play calling duties shifted. Uh, Cody Kessler in. Um Look, I've always been a, a closet fan, something of a don't tell anybody, but I think Cody Kessler has some game. Um, I really always have him. When when he was in Cleveland, um, he was really the only part that was keeping them uh, something of a scrappy underdog at times. Uh, obviously, Deshaun Kaiser was next level bad, and to Chris Hogan, yada, 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 but he got kind of a bad rap just because he was a part of that you know awful Cleveland team with no weapons around him. I think Cody Kessler has some fight, and again, this is a team I have lost, I believe, four straight weeks. I, I've tried to get this back, uh, you know, one win on them. I just every, when you're only laying three to the Buffalo Bills as coming off in an AFC championship game to me, something just doesn't seem right. And at the end of the day, this Jacksonville team is just not right. It's a lost season. Um, do they show up here for this home spot? And is there anyone you want to target on both sides here with four nine sure. as well? Yeah, I'm not sure if they want to show up anymore. You know, Jalen Ramsey's out or he's injured. I I don't think that he's going to play. Uh, Honestly, I don't think he wants to play, uh, which is a big part of the issue right now. 
so that hurts their defense pretty significantly. Uh, while I do think that they can do an all right job at home against a guy like Hilton, uh, Ebron should give them quite a bit of trouble. I know Doyle's out now, which just means Ebron's going to be running more routes. Uh, as long as they get some of their uh, tight ends back, like Mo Allen Cox uh, or Allie Cox and um, Eric Swoop have both been on the injury report as well. But if they get these uh, tight ends back, and they're able to run that 12 personnel. I think that uh, Indy's going to do just fine against the Jaguars because that's where you get them. Um, and the Jaguars, you know, Kessler is like, he actually had a few good games for the Cleveland. Um, and I think people will always forget that. So I do think that he's probably going to come out and, uh, you know, quote unquote, play for a contract, as they say. So just make sure, even if it's as a backup, that he's continuing to get paid in the league. Mm-hmm. So I think that their offense will do OK, uh, but no Fournette. Uh, so I don't know. Is it going to be Carlos Hyde that gets most of the run? Like, He's a decent player, uh, but I'm not sure how much they'll be doing with him. So this is a tough game for me to see. I, I like Ebron a lot on the Colts side. I think Luck's okay uh, because uh, Marlon Mack and concussion protocol, and they're just going to be passing more often, I believe. Uh, on the Jaguars side, for me, it's really tough to go to anyone just because uh, we haven't seen it yet. So I want to see what this offense is about first um, before I go to him. Didn't they fire their offensive coordinator too? Yeah, the quarterback's coach, I believe, is the one who's calling plays for this game or for the rest of the yeah. season. Yeah, so that could be interesting. Um, you know, maybe they do air it out a little bit. They they do have um, uh, kind of a plethora of wide receivers, so it would be tough to pick one of them. Uh, but I could definitely see them getting some work done against the, the Colts secondary. Yeah, the Onions plays definitely Carlos Hyde here for me. Look, he's going to get 15 carries, I would assume, first and second down work, and Yeldon probably that third down rule. Um, so if you're looking for a GPP play, um, somebody out there, I think you can do a little bit worse at his price point than Carlos Hyde for sure. Um, yep. We had to another divisional matchup that I really don't think anyone cares about. Buffalo at Miami. Um, at the end of the day, Miami three-and-a-half-point favorites. Basically, pick up minus home field advantage here. Four and seven Buffalo, Miami five and six. I mean, when you look at Buffalo, uh, <laughs> I was doing another podcast, I uh, did you know that Josh Allen, I believe, is, th- is two and three as an NFL starter right now? Uh, it, you know, <laughs> Wouldn't so, have guessed that. <laughs> yeah, Buffalo, they, you know, it, it, people get so enamored with the Nathan Peterman narrative. At the end of the day, like, where where have they gotten these four wins from, right? If it's sitting at four and seven, you feel like they're a two and two and nine or two and um, whatever it is, 13, uh, two and nine team. At the end of the yeah. day, sitting there at four and seven, same with Miami, five and six. Um, there's nothing I care about in this game from a betting perspective, from a DFS front. I have absolutely no, couldn't care less about this game. Do you have anything of a note here? Nope. Uh, I mean, I grabbed it really early when uh, I could get the Bills plus five just because I don't have a whole lot of faith in either team. I, I know Miami's looked a little bit different with my, with Tannehill back and uh, able to actually move the ball. But just like you said, like the Bills are, you know, they were a playoff team last year off of their defense primarily. Um they can do okay, but no, this is a pretty ugly game. If I wouldn't have been able to get five, there's no way I'm going uh, back for this bit, this bet. Yeah, man, could could not care less. But one thing I do care about is where to bet, and that is mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Enter promo code SGP50. That's a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000. Again, promo code SGP50. As we, again, game probably no one cares about, to the Chase Daniel-led Chicago Bears still sitting at a four-point road favorite against Eli Manning and the Giants here. Um, a little bit surprising, the news coming out, this line really hasn't moved a ton uh, with Chase Daniel. Um, props to Chase Daniel for getting that win on Thanksgiving. Um, was fortunate to, in many different ways uh, to cash Lions first half plus three after that two-point conversion. Um, came in from a Thanksgiving Day miracle from the heavens for me on that first half play. Um, again, this I don't care what the prop is. You probably should take uh, Chicago props you know, or for sacks over. Um, they're going to the Eli Manning may get knocked out of this game, which may be a happy sight if you're a Giants fan or backer at this point um, from long term perspective. Um, I mean, we look at this. Chase Daniel really was not bad. Had some wheels at certain points, right? And, and kind of did exactly what he needed to do, especially in that second half. Twenty seven thirty seven for two thirty and two. A very effective game. Um, Taylor Gabriel, like we said, was really in that slot along with uh, Miller, basically going over 100 yards from that position, attacking that Detroit secondary from the slot. Not going to have that exact matchup here, um, but anyone that you really want to target outside of, you know, obviously the the Bears defense, I think makes a lot of sense for DFS type stuff. The Bears defense does for sure. And I, you know, part of me just 
like thinks Saquon Barkley is a little bit underpriced here. So one thing that we saw is the Giants maybe, I don't know if this whole narrative that some people were saying of the Giants intentionally were trying to throw last week because they just want to be done. Uh, And like you said, Eli may get knocked out of this game, may not be a bad thing, especially considering the Giants have talked about bringing him back for next year, which just not something you want to do. Like move on, (laughs) move on as an organization. Uh, It's clearly not going to get you a playoff bid. Uh, It's not going, it's not bringing any faith into your key players at all. But the one thing that we did see is the giants are smart enough. And I think they're smart enough at home to do this too, but to overutilize Saquon Barkley. Uh, They know that this is the only guy that's really, uh, I mean, Odell for sure too, but um that he's the reason that tickets are still being sold. People want to see Barkley in his in his rookie year. Uh, he really is a phenomenal talent. The Bears' run D is really, really good, and I know it's going to hold him back some, uh, but I, I think that he's just going to get the kind of volume that you want to see as a DFS player. Uh, so he may not be somebody that I end up on, but he's definitely somebody that's in my player pool right now. Are the Giants a quarterback away from a playoff spot? I think so, man. I mean... Well, we say that, but it has to be a quarterback that uh, understands how to utilize these weapons. But you just look at them. I mean, Odell, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, um, that's that. That's just their pass catchers. I mean, Barkley is a phenomenal talent. Uh, so the defense isn't great, but they could definitely sneak into a playoff spot. It's crazy when you look at this because uh, I know it's not going to happen. Um, again, obviously, this is years away, but Kyler Murray has $8 million from the Oakland A's waiting for him, yet yeah. he's basically projected to be a top 20 first-round pick. I mean, there's a world where the Giants get Kyler Murray, Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr. When we look at this 2019 big board, uh, I think that everyone is going to assume that the Giants are going to be taking quarterback here. There's not a lot to love when you look at the um, – Mel Kuyper's – the reason I bring this up is Kuyper's 2019 quarterback rankings came out basically at this time, basically today. Um, Justin Herbert, Oregon, number one one Dwayne Haskins Ohio State number two Daniel Jones out of Duke at number three Drew Locke Missouri Will Greer number five Ryan Finley NC State Nathan Stanley out of Iowa KJ Costello out of Stanford uh, Gardner Mintrell Washington State and Jarrett Stidham out of Auburn I mean is there anyone there that you think is a franchise quarterback um, I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards Greer but um, I just I don't know if there's a quarterback a franchise saving quarterback in this draft class right now No, I don't think so either. Like this draft class has been fairly uninspiring uh, from that perspective to me, from like the quarterbacks. Uh, Kyler, man, he's somebody I've been following since his time at Allen, uh, you know, in high school. He's a phenomenal athlete, like a really phenomenal athlete. So I will be really uh, interested to see what he does. I know that he kind of has shrugged off the, you know, the draft pick and the A's right now. Um, But when you're when you're 19, when you're 20, and you see like 10 million dollars sitting there for you, it has to have some draw. So I'll I'll be interested to see what he does. Uh, I think a lot of it rides on you know the the playoffs here, and uh, but I I think he's phenomenal, and I really hope that he comes to the NFL instead of MLB. Yeah, definitely will be fun. Has the Jeff Samarja uh, choice to make there, and again, you, you never know. If, how Samarja feels if he made the right choice. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, he's had a really lucrative baseball career and everything there is guaranteed, unlike the NFL. So a lot less stress on your body too. So um, we'll be interested to see what he does uh, pick. Again, drafted in the first rounds, I believe 23rd overall last year from the Oakland A's. So big decision there for him. Carolina heads to the road as three and a half point favorites, totals in at 54 against Tampa Bay in a game that um, one of my bigger bets on the season cashed in this very matchup with Greg Olson over 47 yards a couple weeks ago, um, which is again why I targeted Greg Kittle last week, did not come through. Again, Cameron Bray is uh, without OJ Howard, uh, Winston's favorite toy. It seems like at this point, until he inevitably has his, you know, Winston type of game, he gets benched and Fitzpatrick comes in. You can pencil in Winston for 300 yards. You just got to figure out where to disperse them. Um, these are two of the last three teams in the NFL ranked dead last, 3 2 1 or 32, 31, 29 uh, against the tight end. So both tight ends here um, kind of struggling when you look at Olsen, 20 yards the last two weeks combined. Maybe that gets you a discount in the prop market. Uh, and Braid is more of a red zone target, more in that. Uh, you know, CJ Uzama rule, um, then getting yards here. So it's been a little bit disappointing that touchdowns are coming for Bray, but maybe not the yards. Um, I, I, this to me is another game that really leaned towards the over here at 54 and a half as it sits right now, um, on my bookie.eg. Um, that that's my strongest play here. It, it would definitely be the over, um, team total, however you want to disperse the props, but a lot of pieces here, uh, very interesting from a DFS perspective, I think. Absolutely. I think you nailed it. Uh, I mean, all of Carolina, 
is interesting to me. So um, if you just look at Cam, uh, CMC, Olsen, DJ Moore, like that's their main pieces right there. They're all in phenomenal spots. Um, but then if you bring it back, yeah, Bray is really frustrating. And one thing that I was saying kind of in my content last week in my articles and podcast, uh, I mentioned that I actually thought Bray was bad chalk. And I said part of why um, I did is because he what you were saying, he just doesn't see the targets. I knew that he would see three or four targets and he was going to have to get a touchdown to pay off. Um, the thing is, uh, Deshaun Jackson isn't playing this week. Yep. And if you look at the schedule adjusted fantasy points, Carolina is dead last by over a half a point uh, to tight ends uh, in PPR scoring. So DraftKings type scoring. Uh, so I do think that Bray is in a little bit better spot this week. Uh, Deshaun Jackson being out maybe only gives him another target or two, uh, but that should be well enough to to exploit this uh, really porous tight end defense, uh, these linebackers against uh, that the Carolina Panthers have. So uh, I think both sides of the ball, I think Olsen and Bray are really interesting. Um, obviously, Jameis, he looked really good last week. Uh, they're going to need to throw, and Carolina's secondary has looked really bad. I mean, anyone that that is making the Seahawks receivers look great when you know the Seahawks throw ten times a game. Um, so, and now you're talking about uh, Jameis and this offense that throws forty times a game. So. Uh, I, I do think that Jameis has a good potential here. Uh, Cam's in a phenomenal spot, and it it's really not point chasing. It's really not yard chasing to want to go back to CMC. He's just so efficient. He could reach 1,000, 1,000 this year. Absolutely. Um, are you worried about Olsen? Because I am. And again, this is a well that I went to already once this year. And I'm uh, again, I don't know what's up with him. If the foot injury is something he's playing through, if it's a shift towards DJ Moore and McCaffrey, and there's just not enough targets to go around, despite how well Cam is playing. Um, what do you make of 20 yards over the past two? I believe it's f- like three or four targets the last two weeks. I don't have it right in front of me, but he has not shown up again. I think it's 20 yards combined the last two weeks for Olsen. Yeah, that's what's scaring me is that they're not throwing towards him because even when he's not producing, he normally gets the targets. Uh, But we just haven't seen that go to him. I think the foot is a lingering issue. Um, I don't think it's too much of a shift of offense uh, because Funchess has still been out. So they they definitely need receivers. Uh, It could be a wait and see approach, but this also should lower his prop market pretty significantly. Uh, And like you talked about, too, this is like a prime matchup for them. Uh, so, uh, for Olsen. So I do think that he could exploit it again. Uh, as long as it's something like 34, 35, I wouldn't, uh, be too bothered going the over. I like it, man. Well, what we can find out what that prop is, is from Oddshark. Oddshark.com will give you free picks from a supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content. And as always, the latest odds for every big game fight and big game odds on their all major online sports books. Give them a follow on Twitter at Oddshark and check them out at Oddshark.com. Um, so let's move on from this Tampa game. Again, uh, I hate to beat the dead horse, but the tight ends of that one are just so interesting because they're going up against each other. Um, and the last time out, they, they both came through in spades. So we had to Kansas City, 15-point road favorite here. Look, man, there was a time against Oakland. Um, there was a time Andy Reid off the bye was about 90%. Obviously, last year did lose. So it's fresh in everyone's mind here. I think that the Andy Reid off the bye narrative is, you know, it, it, I don't throw around the word mush a lot, but it's something that's mushed at this point. It's definitely built into the line. Oddsmakers have caught up. It was a really good kept secret um, for professionals for a long time, and, and the secret got out here. Andy Reid off extra rest has been the best bet in the NFL the last number of years, so dating back to his time in Philadelphia. Um, nobody prepares a team better with extra rest, maybe outside of Bill Belichick. Um, I mean... Is this a Kareem Hunt game and you just you have to hope that they score enough in route to a blowout? Um, at the end of the day, Kansas City's defense is atrocious. Um, I realize that was the Rams, but you just saw how bad that it was. Um, some sneaky plays, uh, you know, the name Doug Martin being tossed around because you can just run at this Kansas City team basically at will, unless your name is Todd Gurley, apparently. Um, what, you know, it's a very interesting game based on game script and stuff like that. How do you kind of see this one playing out? Yeah, gosh, we'll just talk about it for a second, but so frustrating Todd Gurley in that game. I know that showdown slate, a lot of people had him, but um, was right there on some big tournaments and just needed a few more out of him and just nothing. Uh, But yeah, I think that this game is really interesting. I buy in totally, totally buy into the um, Andy Reid off of a buy, especially with this Kansas City Chiefs offense, just so explosive. Watkins is been practicing again while limited. Uh, but we saw in that last game, like Conley can step in and take that role just fine. 
this is an away game, so you have to love Tyree Kill because these are the games that he blows up in. There's no one on the Raiders secondary that can cover him. Uh, Mahomes is uh, well above the touchdown leader right now uh, on the year, and he knows that Luck's been just throwing a ton, so I think that he's going to want to get some back here. Um, so I do think that he throws in quite a bit. I love Kareem Hunt this game. I want Kareem Hunt on my uh, on my DFS lineup. He's a little bit expensive if you uh, start to factor in this blowout and uh, them maybe not playing him as heavily the second half. Uh, but, you know, he does a lot of his work in the air, too. And like I said, I think Mahomes is going to be wanting to throw touchdown passes. Um, and I think that he's going to get some of these short passes to be able to take in. So I wouldn't be too surprised if this was a Cleveland type game again, where he gets a couple touchdowns. Um, so I do like him. I think that you have to consider uh, the blowout factor, uh, which is why maybe going lower uh, or, or not going on is over for yards props uh, would be a, a good thing to do. Kareem Hunt is very, he's like Melvin Gordon. He's unreal efficient, but do you know how many times he's gone over a hundred yards this year? Yeah. Like none once. Um, 19 for 121 against Denver. Other than that, I mean, these are his last games, 70 yards, 71, 91, 50, 86, 80, 87. You're talking about a guy who's routinely lined in the 85 yard, um, matchup. So you have to go rushing and receiving. <clears throat> if you're looking to play a Kareem Hunt prop, um, under at the end of the day, it just, the yards aren't there. The, the, the saving grace for him has always been the touchdowns. Um, so he's incredibly efficient, much like Melvin Gordon. Um, do you have any interest in the, in the Doug Martin narrative here of just the fact that they can run the ball a hundred times and try to keep the ball out of Casey's hands? Not really. I, even though there has been a lot of talk about him doing well and maybe him earning another, uh, contract and such, but, uh, no, I, I haven't really been a big fan. I guess that he is somebody you could kind of go to. I think out of the Oakland side though, I do like Jared cook, but he's about it. Yeah, no, completely agree. There, there's nobody. I don't like taking running backs in, as a 15 point dogs um, on the other side. So we move on to another game. I, I really couldn't care anything else about, and that's just Tennessee. Tennessee is nine point favorites. Um, again, I, I touched on why I didn't think Tennessee had a prayer in that last game. Uh, do you have anything of note here of anyone you want to be in total sitting at 40 and a half? Doesn't inspire too much confidence from a player perspective. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> Nothing yeah. that I want to touch on. <laughs> Corey Davis, if you want the chalk, but let's go to one that's much more entertaining here. Minnesota heads to the road, New England as a five point home dog. Look, New England at home. Um, Kirk Cousins, people have always heard, heard me, um, harp on the Matthew Stafford trend. I believe he's six and or eight in 69 now against teams that finished the year above 500. Kirk Cousins is even worse. Um, and Sean at SGP has really, um, been harping on this, uh, for a long time. And you want to back Cousins in a 10 a.m. time slot as a favorite, uh, in the littlest of pressures against a bad team, um, you know, in the seven point, um, favorite range. He, again, the winning percentage is worse than Stafford obviously has not played um, the number anywhere close to the number of games. Uh, but when you look at this, Stafford or uh, Kirk Cousins, four and 22 versus winning teams. Um, and it's something that I've really gotten and dig dug into the past couple of weeks and just, you know, being on the other side of Kirk Cousins meltdowns um, has not been fun. And so uh, I'm officially off the Cousins versus good teams bandwagon here. Um, this to me, it's, it's New England at home. Um, and it's a team that maybe has some more name value than actually how good they are, especially if Xavier Rhodes is out here. But, um, anything of no firm player perspective on Minnesota at, at uh, New England? True. I mean, I did not realize, uh, cousins had been that bad. He was actually, uh, you know, somebody that I had been thinking about, uh, at the quarterback position, just cause he's fairly cheap this week. Uh, this Patriots defense has been fairly porous over the, uh, of the season, but I definitely know his inefficiencies, his, his tendencies to struggle in these kind of highlighted games. Uh, but yeah, there, we, there was a lot of news that came out today about Thielen and Diggs, both, uh, Oh, kind of up against some injuries right now, which would completely knock him out. Honestly, if one of them sits, uh, the Patriots are going to completely scheme the other one. And I don't trust Alvin Cook's health uh, or Cook's health right now. Um, and also just the Vikings ability to use them to actually, uh, generate enough offense to keep up with the Patriots. So no, I mean, I think I'm more leaning towards staying away from this game than I initially had been to start the week. 
because uh, to start the week, I, I thought that I was all over Thielen. I thought that I was all over um, Cousins. But yeah, I think I'm I think I'm leaning towards moving away from this. Uh, and also, also my model, I know we talked about this a little bit last time, but uh, is not loving the Vikings as much as I thought it would. Yeah. I mean, the end of the day, Cousins is always going to, you know, he's a yardage guy, right? He's, he's somebody that I think the, he's a stats guy and somebody who he can pad the stats with the best of them. So he's always going to be in that conversation to go over, you know, his prop and stuff like that. And look, Gilmore has returned to being a shutdown corner, but you can't, it's difficult because if you put him on one, the other one's going to be open and speaking to Thielen or Diggs, both of them obviously dinged up, like you said. So it's really tough to kind of double cover the slot. And so you never really know which one of those guys is going to play the slot. Um, so it's a little bit of a tricky matchup here. Um, he just throws a ton because they have no running game to speak of with Cook being so injured this year and Latavius Murray just not getting the job done. So uh, a little bit of a trickier matchup there. Seattle, 10 point or ten point home favorites. San Francisco comes to town off that dreadful performance, putting up nine points against that awful Tampa uh, defense and secondary. Should the Seattle team be laying 10 points uh, to anyone in the National Football League despite being at home, despite having Nick Mullins come to town? I think this number maybe looks a little bit like the Seattle name value of old in, in the 12th man and all that. Um, traditionally, this game has, has been a dead nuts under game. Um, totals are actually a little bit higher as all totals are inflated at this point in the NFL with all the overs coming in. Totals sitting at 46. And when we look at this, we talked about Seattle and how bad they have struggled to defend the run. Matt Burita comes to mind here as well um, as somebody to target. Yeah, I like Matt Breida a lot. Obviously, the Seahawks um, offense or defense, sorry, has just been looking pretty putrid. Really, they look uh, very available to to allow scoring on them. So I know that the Seahawks have been doing all right. They've been winning some games, but they kind of been winning them in gross fashion, uh, comeback type fashion. They'll be able to put points up against the 49ers for sure. But 10 is a lot, especially in this point in the season. I realize that the 49ers didn't look phenomenal last week coming off their bye, uh, which I actually thought that they would. I thought that they were going to have Mullins like uh, really kind of settled into the quarterback position. I thought they were going to have a lot of good plays designed for him, uh, but that just wasn't the case. Perfectly fine though, because another week under his belt, another game, uh, you know, in a, in a tighter atmosphere, not at home. So he's got to experience that now. I think he's going to come and do all right uh, in Seattle not enough for them to win this game, but I think that it could be enough for them to cover that 10. Um, Seattle's just going to run, run and run. And it looks like all these running backs are healthy too. Uh, so Russell Wilson's attempts are just super low right now. Uh, nothing to like from a DFS perspective. Uh, the running backs are definitely something that you want to take advantage of against the 49ers. But the problem is, who is it? I guess it could be Carson. He gets the most work. Uh, but I just don't know who you can trust right now. Uh, definitely breed on the 49ers side, though. Yeah, it's a little bit like New England's backfield of old um, with who to trust in the Seattle um, backfield. And I just I can't trust any of it. The one thing that is a little bit weird, you, you know, Wilson has just been so incredible with Tyler Lockett really emerging. I mean, we talk about how little he throws, right? I mean, 21 and 22 completions the last two weeks, but 339 and 2, 225 and 2, had the down game at the Rams, 17 for 26 and 176. Still threw three touchdowns in that game, and then you go to the Chargers, 26 of 39 for 235 and 2, and I'll even throw in the Detroit game, 14 completions, only 14 completions, yet had 248 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he's throwing, he had a stretch uh, in October, he threw three touchdowns every single week. Um, he's thrown no less than two touchdowns. Uh, the last game he did not throw two touchdowns was uh, September 30th against Arizona in a really ga- weird, ga- weirdly game-scripted um, contest. So a lot of people I know are actually kind of on the Wilson train um, just because that Seattle team showed how badly they can play defensively against Jameis Winston in Tampa. Uh, there's just I don't know where the points are going to come from from Seattle, and so do you trust Wilson at all? I, I love Wilson. I mean, I think that he's a phenomenal player. Uh, I know I've heard some cases. I think this is funny because it would never happen, but I've heard some cases that he should actually be in the MVP com- uh, conversation right now for this year. Uh, just what he does to the Seahawks offense. I get that. I understand it. He is like a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal player. Talk about another baseball uh, football player right here. Uh, but 
I uh, just like you said, I don't know where the scoring is going to come from. Uh, is it going to be like a, a random David Moore uh, catch? Is it going to be you know Nick Vanette or like somebody random like that? Obviously, Lockett's uh, always a potential. Uh, and the 49ers are going to allow points. Uh, I, I have right now the Seahawks projected around 28 in my model. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they get there. I just don't know how they get there. And that's why it's pretty much a stay away from me. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Lastly, on the slate on Sunday, Chargers head to the road. To, you get the home version of Pittsburgh here. Again, Pittsburgh, 28.5 points at home, 22.5 on the road. Pittsburgh, 3.5 point favorites. This line actually dipped down to three yesterday. Uh, so professional money hit the market uh, really this morning uh, to move this game to minus 3.5 um, for that hook. Um, this is a little bit of a public underdog situation here. When you look at the Chargers, besides that Denver loss, only losing to uh, the Chiefs and the Rams, Chargers have been, you know, I think they were a little bit of a public darling coming into the year, uh, and they have really lived up to that billing. I'm looking probably like they're going to finish as a five seed in the wild card for the AFC playoffs here. No, no Melvin Gordon. Um, I think I know where you're going to go and plugging in Eckler. Uh, but at the end of the day, Pittsburgh, this secondary in the Chargers is ripe to be exploited. There's obviously a new number one in town in Pittsburgh on the receiving core. Uh, this is everything that you want, um, I think, on the Pittsburgh side of the ball from a DFS perspective, team total, all that type of stuff, and, and another game that I think goes flying over the total. Yeah, I agree. So this is a really interesting game. I, I think, uh, you know, I'm not a professional uh, gambler like you at all or better, but I, I think I'd even take the hook right now. Um, honestly, I see the the Steelers kind of turning it back on. They've been so down. Uh, James Conner, I, I know they have their uh, right guard injured right now, but James Conner just has not looked good. But I think uh, you've given him a few games of this, um, and I think that he's going to learn uh, kind of his inefficiencies, and, and they're also going to play call better for it too. So I do think that this is a potential over because the Chargers offense has shown to be good enough. Uh, welcome back, Bosa. I know that he does. Uh, a fair amount for this defense for the Chargers, but I don't think it's going to be near near enough to stop the Steelers. Uh, this could totally be a Carolina repeat uh, game, uh, like we saw a couple weeks ago. To me, I think the Steelers' offense could just come out really hot. Uh, you know, uh, Antonio Brown is pissed off again and we know what happens, uh, or what can happen when that, when that comes around. So wouldn't be too surprised to see him go off in this game, uh, or at least get quite a bit. I know it's been weird to watch him though. Like he has a, I think a sub 60% catch, uh, percentage right now, which is crazy for him. Um, Oh, really low. So I don't know if uh, something's going on with kind of his route running right now or if it's just general play calling uh, or teams trying to trying to get uh, Juju and Connor to beat them. But uh, even if that comes to it, Juju's good enough. Uh, this offense is good enough. I think they're going to put up a lot of points against the Chargers uh, and the Chargers are now, especially with Gordon, built to just throw. I mean, they're, so they're going to be throwing a lot. Uh, in this game. So that could also lead to some defensive touchdowns, uh, which just l throws up that, that total even more. So yeah, I like the over on this a lot. Uh, I do think that there are a lot of targets. If you're looking at that showdown slate, uh, I lean Steelers heavy right now, uh, but Eckler is a great play. Uh, and obviously Keenan Allen has to be somebody that you look at because they're just going to uh, force feed him. And Philip can do that. He can throw into traffic. What's up with James Conner? A lot of narratives out there. Obviously, he let off the gas once he once Le'Veon Bell, you know, wasn't looking over his shoulder, lurking every single week to come back. There is another narrative that he's maybe hit a wall. He's never had this type of workload. Uh, they have not run the ball uh, much at all, and he has not found success either through the air or on the ground. Um, do you buy into any of those narratives or another theory as to what's going on with James Conner lately? A little bit. Yeah, I'm surprised by the play calling a little bit, too. So like you said, they haven't been going to the run game. They haven't been going to him a ton. Um, I think part of that is this whole right guard being out. I think that they are uh, oh a little bit nervous to leave Ben exposed. Uh, he already gets hit quite a bit. Um, this offensive line is really phenomenal, too, though. So they do protect him. But uh, I mean, over the course of his career, he's taken quite a few hits. Uh, this version is really good. Uh, but I think they're leaving Connor in to to fill that gap, to protect a little bit there and allow the passing game to open. I do also think that he's hit a wall, so he's never gotten workload like this. Um, it's getting colder. It um, He had such a heavy, 
heavy workload early in the year that it definitely kind of slowed him down. Um, and then probably just a little bit in his own head too. So, uh, a little bit inflated, uh, ego to start the year. Uh, you know, he started off with some phenomenal games and a, uh, storied franchise all of a sudden completely believing in you, uh, over what's arguably the best running back in the league who's holding out. So, uh, when he finally had a, a bad game or two stretch, I think it, it just kind of gets to any person. Um, so I, I do think he'll figure it out. Um, I do think that he's in the organization that will help him figure it out too. Uh, so I don't think that they'll lean on him like they did at the beginning of the year right away. Uh, but I do think he'll get it going. Uh, the the one thing is, even with the struggles, he's continued to see like a very inflated red zone usage in comparison to uh, the rest of the league. So if they can move the ball and if they can get in the red zone, he still has these touchdown opportunities. Uh, so in something like a showdown slate or DraftKings, that's just so valuable. Completely, man. Well, that was the last slate, uh, our last game on Sunday. Before we had the money, let's head to our last sponsor. We are brought to you by Profit. If you're tired of having no true hedging option or losing that parlay on one leg, enter Profit. Profit.co is a new platform that allows you to sell whatever percentage of your bet you want in seconds, guaranteeing yourself profit while also keeping some skin in the game on your original bet. Profit calculates the optimal selling price and percentage for you on each and every uh, bet and ticket you send to them. It is an absolute no-brainer. Profit is modeled after financial trading platforms, allowing users to see trends, stats, and news and media relating to their bets all on one more modern, user-friendly platform. It's a one-stop shop for users. Again, sign up today for early access at betprofit.co. All right, man. So let's go to the last of the slate on Monday night. Look, there's a narrative here as we were recording this on Thursday night. Uh, the Cowboys are up 13 to nothing on the Saints. Um, so this could get skewed here, but I tweeted this out. Um, there's a narrative. If New Orleans can somehow uh, make this comeback and Philadelphia wins as six point favorites against Washington, Philadelphia would move to first place at six and six in the division uh, by the time we come around to Monday after the Sunday slate, or sorry, Monday night, I guess, after Philadelphia. Um, so there were some plus 275s out in the market, some plus 300s uh, earlier. Um, again, this is a little bit predicated on if uh, Cowboys, this is a, a really huge game for both Philadelphia and Dallas. If Dallas can hold on to be New Orleans here at, uh, at home. Um, look, uh, this has been a, an awful season for Philadelphia. Really. I mean, it, it looks a lot worse or it doesn't, you know, maybe it looks worse than it actually is sitting at five and six. I think that everyone has really written Washington off for dead, despite the fact they were in first place. Uh, once Alex Smith went out and entered Colt McCoy, um, do you have, uh, again, this is, I know this is on Monday, so it's going to be a little bit of a, a specific slate here, but anything you want to target to me, this neither team are, are many pieces that I want here. Um, there's just nothing has looked right on the offensive side of the ball for Philadelphia. And I just can't trust the Colt McCoy led Washington Redskins, despite the fact that it's been a little bit of a reemergence of Jordan Reed. No, nothing like nothing has looked good for uh, Philadelphia and really surprising, just complete hangover for them. Um, and really unfortunate too. I, you know, a lot of people, me included thought that getting wins back was going to be a spark to them, but it just hasn't been. Uh, I do think that they probably can win this game at home, but I think it's probably going to be a fairly ugly game. You have to think that uh, after the past couple weeks and all the talk, all the coach speak that they'll continue to get a lot of touches for Josh Adams. Uh, but Washington's run defense has been pretty good. If you look at adjusted fantasy points, uh, they rank seventh in the league. Uh, so that's from a DFS perspective. That's not something, um, oh, that you want to look too heavily on uh, or or rely too heavily on. Uh, and, oh, if you look at like most rating sites too, Washington's run defense is rated kind of right in the middle. Uh, so Philadelphia is going to have to throw. They're going to have to win. There's still an outside shot, even if Dallas wins this game, which, uh, like you just said, you know, kind of a surprising halftime score here. Uh, kind of crazy what they've been able to do to the Saints offense. Uh, but side note, Saints offense did get stalled out at the one yard line. So this could be a little different take here if they would have uh, been able to punch the ball in there. Uh, but yeah, if Dallas continues to win this game. They control their own fate, as both of these teams do. I think the Eagles have a better shot. The Eagles have a better schedule running down than the Redskins do, uh, especially the Redskins without Alex Smith. Um, but, oh, so I, I think 
Eagles are going to win. We've seen an uptick on Golden Tate's uh, targets. It's actually really hurt Alshon Jeffrey. So I guess if you're playing the showdown slate, Josh Adams, uh, Golden Tate are kind of the targets that I'd want. Ertz obviously always in play. Redson's got a side of the ball. I don't know who I'd, I, I, I wouldn't take too many pieces. No, Jordan Reed's the only one for me just because he's he's been back in, in the good graces of Colt McCoy for whatever reason. Uh, Alex Smith yep. did not uh, want to utilize him, uh, and Colt McCoy does. Uh, there was a prop out there that was, uh, I believe, I forget who gave it out, but it was basically Colt McCoy. His props have been said a little bit weird. There's two that I wanted to highlight on because I, I believe it was, I forget which podcast said this. Gold, uh, Colt McCoy's touchdown and interceptions was one one and a half uh total last week and cody kessler's is at um over a half minus 140 right now as it sits um so <laughs> just just some crazy props out there so um again colt mccoy probably gonna throw an interception in this game so if, if it sits there again uh i think that that's a, a pretty reasonable bet to, to go back to but that's the slate man um anything you know biggest biggest thing to look out for uh biggest takeaway from the upcoming slate that you think uh, I, I think, uh, you want to be cognizant of a lot of these teams traveling right now. So there's some really interesting spots. If you just look at it from a, a pure, uh, efficiency of defenses standpoint, uh, you know, one that we highlighted earlier was, uh, Baltimore against running backs and quarterbacks are, you know, just really inefficient, uh, but traveling for, uh, the first time Lamar Jackson. So, you know, just be cognizant of some of these away teams. Uh, even though they may look a little enticing, I think a lot of the away teams have, uh, you know, as you say, Christian, some fleas this week. <laughs> so uh, be cognizant when you're looking at the slate, who you're actually targeting and who you feel comfortable with, because I, I do think that there's a lot of uh, uh, a landmines out there this week. For sure, man. Uh, let's get down to consensus best bet. Again, we haven't talked off air. That was probably my bad that we didn't come up with one. Uh, do you want to head to the Green Bay player prop, or do you want to do one of the two overs that we talked about? Oh, man, I love Green Bay. I love that player prop. All right, let's go. We're going to go with Aaron Jones over rush yards, uh, whatever it is set at. We don't care. Take the over. Uh, we'll yep. be the play that Give we me 100. Have. I don't even care. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be that, but yeah, I feel that confident, uh, especially knowing that it's his birthday. Yep, for sure. In a great spot, great matchup, and the narrative is there. So Aaron Jones over rushing will be the consensus best bet for Harvey and myself for NFL Week 13. I want to give you the floor, man, to plug everything and anything. Obviously, you can find him on Twitter at OnceHarvey, but anything and everything you have going on in the space where people can find your content, where people can get your specific lineups, everything. The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, once Harvey is my Twitter handle. Uh, that's the best way to reach me. Uh, doing some random podcasts like this from time to time. Uh, all my content, DFS wise and fantasy wise, right now is with Roto Radar this season. Um, so if you're looking for uh, kind of cores to build around, some articles and some targets uh, to really help you hone in your DraftKings and FanDuel lineup, um, that's where my content is right now. Uh, we do a Thursday and a Saturday podcast with them too. So if you you uh, like listening to me here uh, I'll also be there the national football post is Thursday um, and I know Christian you make some appearances on it too but I uh, love doing podcasts like this uh, always appreciate your community really uh, kind people reached out to me last uh, couple weeks through that so I appreciate you uh, inviting me back and uh, let's have a great remainder of the season yeah, man. Uh, invitation is always open. Provides so much great insight and great content. Again, one of the things that Harvey does that not a lot of content providers do is specific lineups, not just write-ups on, on kind of people who to target, specific guys to plug into your lineup. So one of the best in the industry for sure, man. Well, again, can't thank you enough for taking the time out, man. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Um, and let's go Aaron Jones this weekend. Mm -hmm.